Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sports Communities Doing Sport Differently podcast series. I'm your host, Steve Pallas, founder and CEO of Sports Community. And today I'm really pleased to be chatting with Fiona Walker, president and junior coordinator of the Riddles Creek Tennis Club. For those of you trying to place Riddles Creek, it's a town in Victoria with roughly 3,000 people located between Melbourne and Bendigo. In previous podcasts, we did feature the Point Lonsdale Tennis Club, who had also been implementing Tennis Victoria's Tennis for Teens program. And today we're going to share another club's perspective on this fantastic program created by Tennis Australia, Tennis Victoria, called Tennis for Teens. Riddles Creek introduced the Tennis for Teens program prior to the interruption of COVID back prior to March 2020. And Fiona offers some wonderful insights to share on the benefits of how this program helps their club do sport differently. Our conversation centres around the importance of creating fun experiences for teens in a bid to attract and retain adolescent participants. For context, Tennis for Teens is a program that encourages youth between the ages of 12 and 17 to remain active, but focusing more on the social environment, not keeping them in a competitive environment such as tennis competitions, tennis tournaments, tennis seasons. Tennis for Teams is non-competitive, stress-free, fun, social program that offers participants activities both on and off the court. Tennis for Teens is a program designed by teens with the help, of course, and the guidance of Tennis Victoria and Tennis Australia for teens, which means they run the show and dictate what happens on and off the court. Before we dive into my interview with Fiona, like we do every podcast, I'd really like to acknowledge our partnership with Vic Health and how grateful we are for the opportunity to share the inspirational stories of sports clubs, volunteers and organisations around Victoria, around Australia, who are doing sport differently. As always, I'll share my key takeaways and learnings at the end of, end of the discussion, but for now, Let's hear from Fiona Walker, Club President, Junior Coordinator of the Riddles Creek Tennis Club. Hi, Steve. Good to be here. Thanks Thanks for the invite. Oh, no. Thank you for sharing your story. And, and we're coming... Uh, the thing I love about doing sport differently Wednesday is we... We talk to a club about how they've engaged a different audience. And today we get to talk about teenagers, so um, which would strike fear into the hearts of many parents, particularly those in Victoria lockdown doing homeschooling. But uh, tell us tell us a bit. Well, before you tell us a bit about the program, I guess I, I should not just mention that you're the president and the junior coordinator of, of Riddles Creek Tennis Club, but... Uh, as is the case in country regions, you uh, didn't think that two jobs was enough and you decided to become the president of the, the Macedon Rangers Tennis Association. So congratulations on that as well. Yeah, thank you. That's just a new role that I've just taken up this week, actually. So that'll be an interesting one. Um, so I'll get to spread my wings a little bit further <laughs> and take up another another um, job, which obviously, you know, it's never ending. Uh, volunteers in these 
country areas are always spread very thinly across a number of, of organisations. And um, obviously it makes us a stronger community, but also it makes our clubs grow and obviously have support that they need. So I'm happy to take on a little bit more, um, especially at this time where we're not actually playing as such, but still a lot of administration stuff to be done and still a lot of preparation to be done for when we get ready to, to get back on court. So um, yeah, I'll see where that takes me. <clears throat> a lot of planning. But the benefit of people going from clubland up to association <clears throat> level is that the knowledge that you've got, you get to then share it amongst a whole lot more broader broader community. And I think I think the learnings from your Tennis for Teens initiatives are just, just fantastic. So do you want to just kind of take us through two things? What is Tennis for Teens and, and why did you why did you need to implement it or chose to implement it at, at Riddles Creek Tennis Club? Yeah, sure. So um, Tennis for Teens is actually a uh, Tennis Vic initiative that was actually funded um, as part of the Vic, one of the Vic Health grants to um, yep. sort of offer different sort of levels of sport or more inclusive, you know, more inclusive formats that could be <clears throat> adapted and changed for clubs and to obviously attract, you know, the, the goal is to attract more people to tennis, but not so much in that traditional format of competition yep. or coaching or, or that style. So, I mean, we've got facilities, we've got, um, you know, great um you know, um, courts and stuff that, you know, could be used in a, in a multitude of ways, not just for comp or coaching or yep. social play, but for other things as well. So tennis, um, tennis really, you know, sort of tapped into this and thought, and of course the other thing that they'd been doing at the same time was this retention and, um, you know, falling away of, of kids in sport around that age, you know, they sort of get to that age of 14, 15 and the, the drop off is quite marked. Um, and they'd done some studies as well. I think they'd commissioned some, um, some work to be done about why teens are, are falling away from organised sport at that that time of their life, and you know there's a lot of things competing, um, you know friends or work or, or school, you know commitments have, impre have increased. So um, they were thinking, thinking, how do we keep hold of this cohort, or how do we get them re-engaged? Um, so it was really a program that was like, let's just bring some fun back into you know into their lives and get, let them connect on their level. So you know, and and that's what it was all about really. So. Um, I put my hand up because I put my hand up for most things that TV offer because obviously when it, when it comes with funding, you're not going to say no, right? So um, I was more than happy. And the other thing that sort of was driving us is we've just been very lucky to complete um, our new court build. So we've gone from three hard courts to six. Over, uh, they actually completed in April. So we're also as a club looking at ways to how we really need to grow our numbers. Um, because we've got this, you know, fantastic new courts and we need to obviously get our membership up. So it was also a driver for me as the, as the president and junior coordinator to say, well, look, you know, I tap into this group of, you know, teens and they may want to st stick around and start playing. So obviously we were interested from a club to, for that, from that, that perspective. Um, so the program is very much, as it says, tennis for teens. So they run the program, they turn up, you know, we schedule it once a week, they have an hour and a half on the courts or they can just hang around the clubhouse. They can sit in beanbags and play music or, you know, have some snacks and and really just muck around. And, and and the good thing was a lot of the kids that came had never played tennis before. They don't have, have lessons. There were a lot of my regulars that were really keen because they would just get on the court for any reason. Um, and they were obviously, came, they were coming along each week as well. And they were the kids that are, you know, playing comp and having lessons. Um, and they enjoyed it because they could share it with their friends a little bit more. So it was a lot more, you know, fun for them because they could bring someone of their friends down that says, well, I don't normally play tennis, but hey, come along and have a hit and have some, you know, have some pizza, have some drinks, hang out. And, you know, we'll just, um, you know, wherever it goes, it goes. 
And I actually um, engaged my one of my top players, um, he's 16, and he had completed the Future Leaders Program, which Tennis Vic offer. And I said, look, this is your baby. You've got to do some volunteer hours with the club to, to meet those requirements for that course. Why don't you run with this? You're 16. This is your cohort understand these kids and and he was the facilitator on court so i really didn't all i did was collect the money and check people in and just make sure that it was supervised so, uh, and then back, back and let them do what they wanted to do so that was sort of the framework in which which we operated it uh, well there's a whole lot of things i'd like to explore there but um one of the things and i'll i'll put this out and get your your feedback one of the big I'm strongly of the opinion that one of the reasons that we as sport get the drop off of those 13, 14, 15 year olds is that sport stops being fun. It stops being relevant to the way they want to participate in sport. You know, like the train Tuesday, train Thursday, play Saturday type competition. And that's, that's all it is. So um, I, I think that the thing I love about the big health funded programs is it really challenges or creates the opportunity for sports and then clubs to look at the world differently and say, Hey, we want these kids. They want to be playing, but they just don't want to play in the way that we've been giving it to them. So let's, let's explore that. And is that been your experience? Yeah, I think that's the key thing for its success. I mean, um, you know, and MRTA have also sort of discussed this in the little you know, over the years as well. How do we change the format? And not just for not just for that that teenage level, but also for adults as well, right? Yeah, How yeah. do we take take the sport and make it more flexible and make it more engaging and make it more fun and social? And um, you know, because especially when you see, you know, and, and when you see tennis, you see tennis, you know, at the top levels and it's you know competitive and they're amazing mm. players and, and it's all very much, you know, is this for me or um, and I think that's where clubs, for the future of clubs and the survival of clubs, especially, God, coming out of COVID, you know, we really have to think about what is the definition of our sport, what does it mean to people, and how do we re-engage with people to make it different and not just Saturday morning you get up at 9 o'clock, you go and do two hours of comp, you know, you then go to training on Wednesday night, you then do, and, and you move up through the, you know, the ranks and you aim for this and aim. And a lot of kids will, will thrive on that. You know, they love tennis yeah. and they just want to be on the court. That's great for them. But, you know, unfortunately, a lot of teenagers, and, you know, my, my kids included, I mean, my son plays tennis. He's been playing since he was um, seven or eight. And that's why I got involved, obviously. But, you know, there's mornings where, you know, he's a teenager. He doesn't want to get out of bed. At nine o'clock, you know, to be on the court at nine o'clock, he wants to sleep in. You know, he, yeah. he'll be quite happily miss a lesson, you know, if, if it's windy or wet or raining, oh, I'm not going to tennis. So I think, you know, for the survival of these grassroots clubs, it's just looking at how we can do it differently and what people are, are wanting out of their connection with sport as well. Well, I think that's very important, that what they're wanting out of their connection and and whether they, they being, in this case, it's teenagers don't necessarily one of the things they don't necessarily want to do is every week do the same thing. They might want to do different things over a period of time. And, and I think as sports administrators, we've got to accept that, that that's our new normal is that, you know, people won't want to be committing to long-term seasons. They'll just want to roll in, roll out when it suits them. And that's kind of a little bit strange and foreign um, for, for, for sports to be thinking about. But the other thing that you said, and you kind of just flipped over it, and I think uh, fills a, might fill a few sports administrators with horror, was that you you gave control of the program to the kids. Like, and so yeah, I think, that, I think 
Oh, and I yeah. think that was an important part of it, right? And then, so, yeah. like I said, some, and the, they loved it. The kids just loved it. Like I was getting the regulars back each week. And, you know, and one, I think one night it was raining or something. And I, I think some of the parents texted me and said, oh, I oh, know one of the kids missed it. It was, his dad was supposed to bring him down and he forgot. And I caught up with his mum on the train the next day. I said, oh, Russell wasn't at Turners for Teens last night. And she said, oh my God. She said, the look of horror on his face when his dad realised that he'd forgot to take him down. And he said to his dad, oh, how could you forget? That's the highlight of my week. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, that was, that was you know, that filled me with a lot of, you know, hope because I thought, well, that's, this is what it's about. You know, like it's not, you know, in a, just in a structured way. Oh, I've got to, you know, I've got to perform. But it is, he just loved being down with his friends. And he was one of the kids that just spent most of the time running around the court chasing one of the other kids with a racket. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he wasn't even really that interested in the game it's, itself, but he was outside, he was running around, he was having fun, and it just ticked all those boxes for him. And so yeah, he was really I don't, upset when he missed that week because his dad forgot to bring him down. And I was thinking, oh, well, <laughs> he was in trouble. But um, And that's the type of thing it is. It's, it's just do what you want to do. If you want to just sit around and play music and chat, do that. But, you know, they're outside, they're engaged with their friends. And, you know, some of the kids may go on to have lessons. Some of them may continue to have a hit socially. Um, so that, you know, because if, you know, if they're there with their friends, they might say, oh, look, let's come down on Saturday and have a hit or something. And, you know, that just leads to different options for them, um, whether it's just the hour and a half they're doing or whether they decide to get together, you know, later in the week and do their own thing together. They can, they've got the option of doing that. One of the themes that's coming through the Doing Sport Differently program is that, or, or these these interviews, is that for some people it takes a quite a significant time to build the confidence to actually step on court even. Um, and so you're you're creating this opportunity or the kids have created this opportunity where they can come down, they can socialise, they can eat pizza, they can listen to music, they can jump on the court, they can chase balls around and they build their confidence, they build their trust, they get comfortable in the experience. And I would suggest if COVID hadn't interrupted, you would have had more and more yeah. kids eventually going on to the tennis side of the, 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 the program. But that's correct because there are a couple of kids that I had spoken to their parents. They said that they're definitely keen to start lessons. Um, and I'd spoken to the coach and, you know, I work closely with our coach as well. And they, he knows this program's running. I'm like, you know, you know, keep an eye on this one, this one, because they're really taking an interest and they're definitely keen to, to pursue it. So, I mean, it was really disappointing, obviously, on a number of levels that we've been interrupted with this program. But the kids will definitely come back. I mean, they've told me that as soon as um, we get, you know, the go-ahead to start again, most of them will be back and I'll chase them up individually to let them know that it's happening. And then I'll try and, you know, because we've actually got more courts now, we can extend the numbers. So I'll be going out to those kids and say, right, it's your job. I'm going to say, you know, set a goal to say, you bring two friends next week or you bring someone that yeah. you don't know or you, you know, put the word out and just get them to naturally grow it themselves and get them to to be the advocates for it. Yeah, yeah no doubt. And I think that just before I this has been one of the key learnings from my perspective through this program, being an, I guess, grown up in sport and an experienced sports administrator, the, the concept that someone may need some time to become comfortable or, or confident enough to actually start participation was really foreign to me. I, I couldn't understand that. But the more and more we we explore these topics and go and talking about different audiences engaging different audiences that haven't traditionally played that particular sport. Um, it's, it's a really, really common theme. So 
I guess the two questions that I've got, what what was the format of the program and how did you bring people to it? Uh, well, the format was like, it's just, um, you know, meet once a week. Um, sign, it was actually quite structured TV. So they had an app that people would, um, so firstly, they'd have to log in and register through their website. Yep. Uh, and register your details because obviously TV were tracking this because they needed to report back to Vic Health mm-hmm. on the su- success of the program. So it was all very much um, coordinated through them. So they had all the right technology and, and support system and they had all the um, promotional stuff as well. So they supplied us with banners, with um, uh, tool, you know, tool, a toolkit and um, product, promotional stuff for our Facebook social posts and things like that. So they gave us the underlying structure. So that was very, very good. And so they also, we could also hook into their Insta pages, Instagram pages, and they had, um, you know, like they're also running uh, in the parallel each week. So, you know, get on, because it was aimed at teens, right? So they were using social media platform that sort of worked for them. So the teens were supposed to hook into the Instagram feeds and put posts up, put pictures up of what they were doing each week and stuff like that to help them sort of, um, you know, get a bit of vibe and a bit of, um, create a bit of, you know, um, you know, um, excitement about the program. And then we had the app that, um, so we, I would track the uh, participation each week. So I have to log in to say who attended. TV were very good then. If, if, if a person didn't turn up on the day, they would then send an email to that person the next day and say, oh, we noticed you didn't turn up for tennis for teens. You know, please make sure you come along next week and stuff like that. So there was that prompting as well to say, why weren't you there? So, you know, a bit of the old, you know, uh, carrot and stick, you know, you yep. should turn up to these things. Uh, and then obviously on the day, it was just turn up. And I often used to run it overtime. So it was scheduled to run for an hour, but I would always run it for longer because the kids just wanted to stay on the court. And so um, sometimes it would run for an hour, hour and a half, hour and three quarters, and the parents would just turn up and I'd say, look, don't bother rushing back. Give them an hour and a half if you want to, or come and pick them up when you're ready. So um, it sort of was a little bit of leeway there on how they wanted to run it on the day. Um, and again, I was just there to make sure it was supervised and go and get the, do the food run basically. Because, you know, they were always happy about the food. <laughs> I, I think that's an important thing with teenagers, having uh, three daughters myself. But I think <laughs> just one of the things you just said a minute ago sort of struck a chord as well. So it's interesting that you say that you're, you know, you've always played sport and for you it's a bit of a no-brainer that you're going to participate and and be engaged in, in teams and, and those sorts of things. But, um, you know, I have, as junior coordinator, I have lots of kids that do coaching and, I, and there's some kids that just no matter how many years of coaching they've had, they will not play competition. And yeah. I can't figure it out. I'm like, why are you spending all this time, years and years of coaching? You're happy to turn up each week. You do the lesson. But as soon as I ask them to join a team, oh, no, 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 I don't want to play. But you are playing. You're here every week and you're playing. And so yeah. it's just how do you get those kids to cross over? And that's, that's the challenge as well, right? So, yes, they like being there, whether they're just doing it because their parents dropped them off, I don't know. But... Um, it's an interesting thought, you know, kids will turn up and do this, you know, lesson each week, but they don't want to play competition. There's just something there that's saying, no, oh, that's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it, one of the benefits that, that by getting the kids, getting them in that social environment, one of the opportunities that you have is, is that you can ask them, you know, and, and then, mm. again, this is quite a foreign concept to actually ask the kids, what do you want? And then when you hear what they want, you know, we want music, we want pizza, we want to socialise, we don't even necessarily want to get on the tennis court. To allow them to have that freedom is is 
is really, really cool. And I think part of the strength of it. So uh, before I ask my next question, I'd just like to welcome Kylie. Kylie, from memory, uh, I think you're from the Officer uh, officer Tennis Club. So welcome to you. Feel free to ask any of the questions. Anyone that's online at any stage, please throw your questions through and we'll 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 uh, learn from Fiona's experience in the Riddle Creek uh, Tennis Club. So... How did you on on the court? What were the activities that took some of these kids that may not have even picked up a tennis racket before? What were they actually doing on the court? Like off the court, I get you know whatever they want. Yeah. Uh, so um, they sort of they organised themselves pretty much organic, organically. I mean, I didn't get involved. Yeah. I would yeah. always make, if it was a new person that turned up, I'd always make sure that I introduced everyone and they knew who they were and I made them feel comfortable and you know sort of gave them some equipment and sort of. Um, you know, got them settled in. Um, but sort of it was funny how they just sort of organised themselves into natural groups. So, I, like I said, I had the kids that were, you know, keen, you know, tennis players. They were having lessons. They were playing comp. So those older kids, and they were sort of, the, you know, the 15, 16-year-olds, they would get together and they would just play doubles and just smash out the ball and just play like they were playing rallies yep. and, and, and playing, you know, playing um, match play. So they were sort of sorted themselves. And then um, the little, the younger ones that either hadn't played or weren't that confident, they would sort of congregate together and they would do that in groups of either two or four. Sometimes they would all, and at the end, sometimes they would all get together and they would all be on the one court. Like there was maybe 10 people on a court and they all just be like mucking around, hitting the ball, trying to play points and running off and on and swapping out and stuff like that. So they would just make up the um, rules that they wanted to play their own way. So I wouldn't go in there and say, oh, you know, you have to do 10 minutes of warm up and 10 minutes yeah, yeah. of serving and 10 minutes. They just decided what they want to do. So, and like I said, and usually when they came back each week, because they were, they were friends, you know, that were together, they would set, tend to hang around and do their thing and other kids would hang together. So, but there was a lot of that, you know, um, across age interaction where they would actually decide, oh, let's start playing a game. And sometimes they would introduce a game that they would do at, um, at lessons, for example, where they have that, you know, kingmaker and stuff like that, where you've got to stay on the court till you lose points and then the next one comes around. So they would... They would use some of those games that they'd learnt through lessons as well and introduce that to some of the kids that hadn't done that before. So, yeah, it was interesting. They just sort of ran their own show. And and your 16-year-old uh, that you you kind of appointed as the facilitator, how, um, first of all, when you gave him that responsibility, because often clubs don't give their juniors that sort of responsibility. So how did he react and and, and how did you support him when he, if and when he needed help and preparing him to do it and those sorts of things? Yeah, well, he's one of our, um, yeah, he's one of our club stars. So he's actually on our committee. So because I'm junior coordinator, um, I, you know, and I see the, the strength and the future of our club is always our juniors, right? There's yeah. no, no two, you know, that, that's where they come from. So I'm very engaged with our juniors and keeping them involved. So the things that I've been doing, uh, was one I sent him on the Future Leaders course because that was an opportunity where he could, um, you know, go and do the – it's an off-site course. They run it all weekend and they um, send them up to a place up country and they learn about, you know, leadership skills and stuff like that. And part of that was that he had to satisfy 40 hours of um, of volunteering with the club. He was happy to do that. And so because he got the – and I also sent him on a coaching course. So because mm. he was 16, he was able to do the Tennis Victoria uh, Foundation course or Tennis Australia Foundation course. So I'm also – earmarking kids as they come through, asking what they want to do with tennis. So first thing is, are they able to, they've, have they got the skills to do some coaching? Yes, okay, but it's paid for them to go on the coaching course. Um, and now he works with our coach, so he'll fill in and do 
run sort of the hot shots programs and stuff like that yeah. because he's now actually a hot shots accredited coach um and also he has has a very good interest in outdoor education and he wants to be i think his pathway i think he's just his um vocation is very much in that sports sort of um outdoor education um area so he's very focused on that um so he's also a member of our committee he's not a voting member on the committee but he is a he turns up to our committee meetings and he's the voice for juniors um oh, yeah. the other thing and the other thing i'm doing with all my juniors is as they age out from well before they age out from um junior comp I've, I've been placing them in our thursday night adult comp teams so all my juniors are now playing adult competition on thursday night so that they know there's pathways for them so before they get to 18 and say oh well i'm done i get them well before that so like he's 16 he's been playing with our thursday night teams for over a year or more so all my 16 17 year olds are all in thursday night adult competition so as soon as they finish at junior level they know that there's a team for them to go to and that they're going to continue with their tennis with our club because that's a very big another area where we lose or well, sport loses mm. its participants isn't it that transition from junior to senior so yeah. if you can cross that over that that makes that again because a lot of it's unknown scared of the unknown unsure about what it is so making it that that transition really really um is is really effective strategy it's it's amazing that you go so far as to introduce them onto the committee and um and give them that experience i mean that's the ultimate in succession planning isn't it you're creating yeah a... yeah absolutely i'm not planning on doing this forever yeah <laughs> tell you that. so my aim is to you know make sure there's a good succession plan and i've got another 18 year old that's actually um he's just turned 18 this week and he's joining the committee on our agm so agm's coming up next month but he's I've emailed him and said, you're joining the committee. He said, yeah, absolutely fine. So I'll have two, one 18 year old and one 16 year old on the committee. But like I said, they haven't, under our, um, our bylaws, they haven't got the right to vote, but they've certainly got a voice on the committee and they're representing the juniors and I'm happy for them to, to be there to do that. So yeah, I yeah, think it's important that they, and also, I mean, it's cause it's not just, the, it's not just continuing the kids to play tennis, but it's also continuing them to be engaged in the club. And part of that is doing, the right thing for volunteering right and just stepping up and taking up these committee roles so you know you can't have your committee full of 65 year old you know <laughs> people that have been sitting on that committee for a very long time and have got no fresh ideas you know we need to be um having that representation at any level whether it's sports committees you know government um you need that diversity on your committee otherwise you just not, you know it, it also shows that the club is looking at everyone that's engaged in the club, there's something there for them, not just, you know, committees making decisions that, that doesn't impact them or they don't understand what, that, what their needs are. Yeah, and I think that's important is what their needs and what they're looking for and what they're wanting to experience. So just on the coming, what, what are some of the things that you've learned or some of the challenges that you experienced as you were, were implementing the program, apart from COVID? Um, Apart from COVID, huh? Well, like I said, well, it was very easy to implement because TV did all the work. So that was that was one thing. Um, I did make some notes about recommendations. I did one thing that we decided to do was keep it affordable, right? Because yep. we don't we didn't the last thing we wanted to do was uh, to make you know put um, the cost of it as a barrier for people coming along. So we've kept it at five dollars, which I think you know, and that basically just covers the food. So it the just pizza. covers them to have a, you know, the pizza. And what we did, and with the money that we actually, the money we left over, had we had left over at the end of the term, I bought them all tickets for the Australian Open concert, the yeah. Jessica Malvo opening concert, and I took them all down that day 
to uh, to the tennis. Obviously, there was no there was no play. It was the, the opening um, night. Yeah. Uh, and they loved it. So I said, look, let's go along to this concert and have some fun. So we went along as a group. So I took the money from that, that we had, any money that we had left over from the from the term, I used it to, I said, what do you want to do with it? They said, oh, I said, I can get you tickets for this concert. Do you want to go? So we went to Melbourne and we had a fun night. So, um, that, and so again, it was keep it affordable because we don't want to discourage people from not coming because it's you know it, it's um it's it's expensive or like, like it's out of their reach but and what i was thinking post covid what we're trying to do a lot of what we've been doing as a club is just keeping really things really um inexpensive so i think what i'll do when i kick it off again i just won't even bother charging um and our tv sort of say look you know you should be charging because you're, you know it's your time and you know, you could, the club should be, you know, getting some of the expenses back. But I just think, look, I'm just going to run it for free in term, whenever we come back, maybe term one next year. Um, and so just to really push it off and have another you know, big push to get it kick-started again and say, come down, it's free. We'll provide, you know, some snacks and stuff because it's not hugely expensive to do that. And yep. then once we get that interest back and that build the numbers back up, then I'll start introducing the $5. And I think that's more than reasonable. I think parents would be fine with that. I think parents would be very fine with that. And I, I also love the... It's basically babysitting. It's babysitting for an hour and a half, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I also yeah. think that the perfect strategy is to get the kids to take ownership for it and go on to recruit. Um, mm. they're, they're going to be your biggest and strongest ambassadors uh, yeah. in their network. So you might as well um, take advantage of that and... and uh, and if they if they don't love it enough to come, well, if they're coming, they'll so absolutely love it enough to share and 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 bring their friends and and there's no reason not to because they don't even have to come on the court. You can introduce them to the club that way. So I think I think that's just been an amazing, uh, really really open minded execution, if you like, of a program. So con- congratulations. Before we go, have you got any more tips for for clubs that might be going down this path and and wanting to bring the teens to their club where they may or may not have them? Um, Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, TV are are open to, uh, obviously, if anyone wants to run it, they said to get in touch with Tam, who runs the program, and that she'll provide all the support they need and give them the social media tiles and things. that um, It's all in the the toolkit, but they they can kick it off. I mean, there's no barrier that I can see. As long as you can schedule the time somewhere in your um, calendar in the week. I mean, obviously, you need to have someone down there to supervise. I'm happy to do that because you know, I haven't got much going on at the moment anyway. But, <laughs> but you know, so I think. Um, but like I said, if you can, if they can find that that facilitator that is in that teenage, um, you know, that age where they want to take something on at the club, they want to be given some responsibility. I think that's the perfect way to do it. Um, like I said, the cost thing was, you know, make it make it affordable. Don't don't make it yep. out of the reach for some people. And I also generally just think. Clubs need to be thinking outside, you know, outside the square and thinking we've got these facilities that maybe not used, you know, two, two, two or three nights a week or a couple of hours a week where they can just say, look, let's just open up our courts for something like this because you never really know where it's going to go and how many members you may pick up and, you know, how, how successful it may be. Yeah, and when, when we compare it to, and, and as you were talking, it reminded me a lot of barefoot bowls. So when we compare it to traditional sport, it's almost the complete opposite to the way traditional sport and the traditional pathways. And 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 as you said earlier, it's not about 
replacing those. It's about complementing those and potentially creating the pathway into those more traditional competitive formats of the sport. And and I guess that's where you're heading and hoping that we'll we'll transition from from the tennis. And even if it doesn't, and and even if it doesn't, you know, my goal and whether it's competition, kids doing competition sport or whether it's going down and having a hit, my goal is to have those courts being used at capacity, you know, at 100% of the time. So yeah, they're, yeah. They're, a community, they're a community asset. They should not be sitting there vacant as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. We've got Booker Court. We've got Booker Court system as well. So our courts, when, when we're not locked up, um, are available to the whole community to book. And so we just want to have those courts being utilised because otherwise it's an un- underutilised asset and it shouldn't be sitting there dormant as far as I'm concerned. So that's why we try and keep things, you know, as, as cheap as possible for people to get on the courts and, and use them. So whether it's teenagers having a hit with their mates or whether it's, um, you know, social tennis or people from the community just booking the court and turning up and having a hit, that's really what we're aiming to do because it's going to grow the strength of our club and it's going to grow our community. Um, and, you know, and that's what we're, we're trying to do at the end of the day. Oh, that's that's fantastic. So uh, I'll just say welcome to you, Jackie. We're just about to sign off, so, but uh, thank you for coming into another session, uh, Fiona. It's as I bring up the just the Vic Health framework to to finish off like we normally do. Fiona, I'd just like to thank you for sharing that experience. It's 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 really wonderful listening to, um, I, clubs implementing these new programs and. And, and I always find it really interesting through these themes that when we ask the question about challenges, kind of when you create a program for a particular audience, it doesn't seem to be that many challenges because they want that activity. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just making sure that you've got the right target and the right market. <laughs> well, absolutely. And, and just removing some of those barriers, yeah. Oh, and, and that's and that's really some of the principles of of the doing sport differently created by Vic Health and and La Trobe Uni and and so if we kind of just just fly through the principles and how you've applied them, uh, you know, engaging the target market. Well, you've not only engaged them, but they're facilitating it. Uh, again, clubs are really surprised or often don't realise the number of different programs that their peak body do offer. So there's so peak bodies are now offering lots of these introductory social programs that clubs can just pick up and use and get a lot of support. And in your case, um, Tamitha Harding and and who's a gun and um, Tennis Victoria, we seem to be a really great partner for you in this process, Fiona. Yeah, and just talking about those programs, you, you are aware of open court sessions as well, aren't you? That TV are also running. Have oh, let's assume that I'm not. That's a good okay. assumption. <laughs> well, it was plugged to death over the Australian Open last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. So that was another one of these, um, you know, different type do, doing sport differently initiatives where um, open court sessions, and that was hugely successful as well for our club. But unfortunately, we got you know hit over the head with the COVID uh, bug there as well. So. Um, we're bringing that back as well. So open court sessions is sort of similar to the framework for tennis for teens, only it's for adults. Uh, yeah, or not yeah. even like we've we've got teenagers that are coming from tennis for teens also doing open court sessions. So again, it's just social play. You, you I mean, it's a bit more structured in the way that the program runs. It, it has um, sort of um, activities that you do on court and you rotate round, which is a lot of fun. But so we're actually expanding that. So that was really successful. And we've had people, you know, knocking on our door saying, when's it coming back? 
Um, and so when we bring that back, we're going to adapt that a little bit. So we're going to, um, again, have a dedicated night for that um, in the club. And so people, again, register, same thing, they register through the link on Tennis Victoria because we run the program. And so our, our club comes up as one of the um, facilitators of that program. So it's very easy to register. And then, um, so yeah, they'll come down. And when, instead of just doing the open court sessions format, we're also going to run fast for tennis, which is also another TV style of tennis for social social playing. Um, so yeah, that's just when you're talking about doing sport differently. I mean, I can't really talk about tennis for teens without talking about open court sessions as well, because that's been very successful for our club too. Yeah, fantastic. And and I think it, it, just flying through the principles, you know, catering for different levels, giving them the opportunity to come, feel comfortable, and then take them on that journey. As you've said, the deliverer is really important. Uh, but one point that you flicked over that I think is really, really important, the, the deliverer is vital, but also that person to welcome people. And when they come into mm. the facility for the first time, that's actually quite daunting. So to grab them straight away, welcome them, and then to immerse them into whatever's going on uh, is a big step that, that again, you've, you've done really, really well and successfully. Well, open court sessions, that's one of the, the um, principles of that. And that's what TV, so with open court sessions, like I said, it's a bit more structured and you have your on-court facilitator and your off-court facilitator. So your yeah. off-court facilitator is get the people as they come in, welcome them, explain the program to them if they haven't done it before, you know, put them into their groups and stuff like that. So again, that's very much making it very welcoming and, you know, people that have never picked up a racket feel comfortable uh, and there's different there's uh, different levels of, of activities where it, whether it's pickleball or three on a court or half court tennis and we use um, different you know, styles of balls so it's been adapted yep. so you know you can use the low compression balls um, so it's very easy for most people to hit the ball back so and if they don't it's a laugh and a giggle you know it's a hit and yep. a giggle so uh, and again it's and, and that's like I said so you know running these social programs is really can and it will result in members, to, you know, for the club because the way we're going to run it next, when we get it kicked off again, uh, we'll be offering. We've actually off, we're offering half price um, subscriptions, membership subscriptions this year because of COVID. So we're going to say, look, you know, you can pay your ten dollars for the, you know, a session for open court sessions, or if you just become a member, it's actually cheaper for you to do that. So yeah. again, we'll be pushing that. So you know, in one way, we'll get our memberships up, and people who then join as a member and do these uh, sessions um, will then think, okay, I'm a member now. I can come and book the court whenever I want for free. Um, mm. And I can go down and play with my friends that I've just met, met at open court sessions and, yeah. oh, let's get together on Saturday afternoon and have a hit. You know, so yeah. it, it just builds those um, pathways and those relationships to, you know, offer tennis on a different level for those who have not, you know, traditionally played or are coming back to the sport or just want to come down and meet some people. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I love the fact that this is this is the the process working beautifully, isn't it? Vic Health create the funding that the peak bodies create the programs that the club implement that create stronger communities. So, Fiona, thank you so much for sharing uh, the journey so far with Riddles Creek Tennis Club, and best of luck as president of the Macedon Rangers Tennis Association. <laughs> yeah, I think I've got a bit of work cut out there, but. <laughs> I think our club's in pretty good shape at the moment, but I think, yeah, there's a bit of work to be done there. But um, 
Yeah, and I, thanks for um, yeah having me on on the program, and I'm happy to share um, our experiences because I think this is important for all clubs to um, get this feedback. And if you're listening, I would say put your hand up for this stuff because it's really been a key success for I mean for what was you know key success for our club leading up to COVID. And like I said, once we get back on the courts, we're definitely going to be embracing these programs full on, um, and it's part of our strategy. We'll have dedicated. We've got dedicated people in the committee that run these programs to make sure that they, you know, they're viable and they keep running. Um, that's my goal anyway, to make sure that these things stay stay with the club. So thanks yeah. for your time, Steve. Well, that's it for another Doing Sport Differently podcast. I really hoped you enjoyed the discussion with Fiona as much as I did. She's an amazing volunteer and Riddles Creek Tennis Club are absolutely flying under her leadership. As we've heard time and time again throughout this podcast series, clubs who have introduced less structured and more social formats to their sport are just receiving so many benefits. For Riddles Creek, they increase the number of participants and volunteers at their club with some kids never having played the sport before really getting involved in the tennis and the club. They positively influenced the health and well-being of their local community and created a great platform for the club to thrive into the future by ensuring different sporting options and retaining people, participants, through those challenging adolescent years. Really inspirational stuff. Adding social sport formats to our club offerings is so important. And I know I say this every single podcast, but just a reminder, social sport, it's less structured than traditional sport, less structured than competitive sport, fewer rules, more flexibility, creates a lot of emphasis or puts a lot of focus on fun, social interaction, enjoyment, more so than performance results and competition. It's really hard to think of a better example of social sport than Riddles Creek's Tennis Club's Tennis for Teens. Riddles Creek Tennis Club adapted the Tennis for Teens program to make it become a six to eight week program run during the school term. The program designed by teams for teens had the following core principles. Participants have a say in the activities and how they run the show. There is such a big social element, pizzas, chilling on beanbags, listening to music, all of these things that actually have nothing to do with tennis but are so vital to the success. A really flexible approach, drop in, drop out, pay as you go, not just that got to be there Tuesday, Thursday, play Saturday morning, the competitive sport routine often dictates. Sessions go for one to one and a half hours, and that includes the social activities, have a really cool facilitator, and they use an online booking platform to make registrations easy. In their research and experiences, Tennis Victoria noted that the majority of participants say all they want to do is just have a hit and socialise with friends. So Tennis for Teens is designed to carve out a specific time in a club schedule for teens to do just that. Hopefully giving teens the power to create an activity that suits their needs 
and wants will helpfully address the social, the drop-off in adolescent participants. And that's the key goal of this program. By and large, the thing that keeps people playing sport is the social connection, who they're playing with, and if they're enjoying the experience. So Tennis for Teens really looks to bring that together. The story that Fiona shared of, of, the, of the kid who said, hey, Dad, how could you forget? It's the highlight of my week, speaks volumes for the program and what Fiona and her club have created. That kid just loved playing with their mates. We know that that is such a driver for adolescents. They want to play with their friends, which is often the drawback of competitive sport because so often what we do is we grade the participants and group them together on their skills, not on their friendship groups. As Fiona mentioned, some of the more talented kids who are already playing competition were thrilled to be able to bring their friends and just have a hit and introduce them to the sport. One of the coolest outcomes of Tennis for Teens was hearing how kids became the ambassadors for the program and helped recruit their friends into the program. Without question, that's the most powerful recruitment strategy that any club, any sport, any team can have is have their participants going out into their network and recruiting the next participants. Harnessing the passion of your existing participants, members, is a skill and an opportunity that every club has, but so few tap into. Just brilliant stuff by Fiona and the team at Riddles Creek Tennis Club. Well, that's it for another episode. I really hope that you enjoy the episode and the discussion with Fiona as it left me with plenty to think about and hopefully it did for you as well. So if you'd like to hear of other great examples of clubs doing sport differently, then I invite you to listen to our past podcast episodes and subscribe so you can hear all the new episodes as they come out. If you're a sports club volunteer or you know a sports club volunteer, then check out our website, sportscommunity.com.au, and you'll see nearly a 1,000 pages of resources, templates, checklists, training programs, simply designed to make it easier for sports club volunteers. So check out the website, sportscommunity.com.au. Before I go... I must do what I do every week and thank the wonderful sports community members. Without you, it simply would not be possible to create so much free resources that would help volunteers all over the country, all over the world. So if you're a volunteer, if you know a volunteer, if you want to help volunteers, go onto the website, sportscommunity.com.au. Check out the membership benefits. They're very, very cheap individuals club and we'd love for you to be a member of sports community so until next podcast i'm steve palace thank you so much for being part of our sports community Music.